0: redmond are the thong slappers they're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast hey everyone this is simo and welcome to our thong slappers short story series we call to the 60. number 12 is titled fj triple five and it's actually a bit of a recap from a gentleman called peter carpenter now peter's been a bit of an icon of the hot rod and custom scene in australia since the 70s and his story is actually all about Building, losing, and refinding the love of his life is Green FJ holden sedan. Just a heads up also now, the Thong Slapper short story series, we actually run this in conjunction with our regular podcast show. So you'll find it on alternate weeks. Uh, you'll see both the podcast and the short story series. So be sure to check it out. Thanks. Now it's over to you, Redmond Jack Thompson.
1: Written by Peter Carpenter. Following the destruction of my first hot rod by a drunk driver and without wheels or cash. There was only one thing to do drag this tired old FJ out from behind the shed and make it roadworthy. Once back on the road, it remained stock for about a day. First thing to go was a rear end, replaced with one from a 64 Holden, which did away with the dodgy keyed axles of the early model and provided better brakes and highway ratios. It also facilitated the fitment of super wide, modern 13 by 7 inch chromies with newfangled, ultra cool polyglass wide tread tyres. Of course this meant the front end needed to be similarly updated as well. If for no other reason than to provide brakes that actually worked and of course to allow for the fitting of matching 13 by 5.5 inch chrome wheels and more of those cool polyglass tyres. Around the same time I met a girl as opposed to all the others I dated but for one reason or other they decided they didn't like me. That could have been a whole other story but this became part of this one. On our first date the old Humpy Shaw made an impression on her. So much so that I was surprised when she actually agreed on a second date. No, not for that reason. Because the first time out was the night that Diff decided to take a sickie. Happened right in the middle of St Kilda Junction, before it went underground. And she got to push, while I steered the recalcitrant humpy off the road. Good news was on our second outing, the car got us home without a problem. And she came back for a third. By now the old Holden was looking a bit spotty. So I decided needed to be made a little bit more respectable. Lest her folks think I was one of those nasty bad boys that they wouldn't want dating their daughter. After a little work with a few spray tins of red oxide primer we both looked a treat. In this condition we continued to drive the car all over the place, and even with stock engine it performed okay thanks to the later gearbox model and a three point two five diff in place of the original three point eight nine. Updated brakes and suspension meant it stopped and handled okay too. Meanwhile, finding a replacement for 34 was proving difficult. I lusted for a car that was a tad cooler than a red oxide FJ Holden. So, I pulled it to bits and started painting and detailing everything. At first, I took over the back of my best mate's dad's service station and we worked very hard every spare minute to get the old thing tarted up and back on the road. Meanwhile, it turned out that girl liked me more than I figured as she decided to stick around after the third date. She even got her hands dirty helping out wherever she could, so I decided to keep her, which would ultimately prove to be the smartest thing I ever did. Meanwhile, the Banzai riders decided we'd enter all the club cars in the next Victorian Hot Rod Association show, finished or not, don't know why, but that made me rethink detailing everything we just paint. So I took some parts to the chrome shop. That turned out to be a dumb move, because before I knew it, I had taken every nut, bolt, washer and screw to the chrome platter along with the steering, suspension and brake parts plus all manner of brackets and other bits. Heck, I even transferred the shape of some cardboard interior trim parts like the kick panels and the side trims to metal and had them chrome too. Anyhow, it wasn't finished in time for the 72 show so it was reassembled and displayed in grey primer with a few spots of green. After the show it was taken to another friend's garage because he had a compressor. However, the garage turned out to be a little cramped spray painting and I ended up shooting the nitro lacquer in his driveway on the first windless day they come along but the next show the old girl was all shiny and spit polished with the original engine now suitably dressed and souped up we continued to drive it all over the place occasionally was even requested for special duties remember the girl? well eventually we got married and that deal created the need to buy a house and all kinds of stuff we couldn't afford even after selling the project cars and a bunch of other stuff we reached the point I was hoping we wouldn't we still too too many pesos short for a deposit on our first house. The Humpy was better than most of its contemporaries, so it was advertised for the exact amount we needed, which at that time was about double the going rate for a decent F.J. Holden. The first call on that fatal Saturday morning was a young fellow who arrived with his father. His dad thought the car was way too expensive for an old Holden, but when I opened the garage door to reveal it to the young fellow, he almost wet his pants. I took them for a test drive after which his dad wanted to negotiate a lower price and I said no, it's take it or leave it deal, so they left. About 10 minutes later they were back, the young bloke had convinced his old man the car was worth the asking price, so money changed hands, paperwork was completed and they drove off into the sunrise. That was 1977 and we never saw or heard of the car again. We always figured it had met its end against a pole or a tree, as so many of these cars had. Purchased by young guys who had the money, but maybe not the passion or inclination to really look after them or treat them well. Fast forward to Monday, the week before Easter 2003, and I'm working late, trying to get things done before my pal Don arrived in Australia from the USA for his first visit down under. I got home very late, and that girl I dated all those years ago tells me our daughter is in the city dining with a friend, and she was heading off into town to pick her up. Truth being told, I think she gave me an earful because I didn't call to let her know I was leaving the office, which was only a few minutes away from where the kids were having dinner, and I could have saved her a long drive. No problem. I'll drive, and off we went back from whence we just came. We arrived to learn our daughter's pal was going to catch a train to an outer northern suburb, on a line with a questionable record. Since I'm not about to allow a young lass to run that risk, I insisted we drive her home, and off we went in a whole different direction. Thanks to roadworks, I couldn't access the Tulla Freeway from where we were. So we took a route through the city, which was also blocked. I ultimately decided to go the long way, using surface streets through the suburbs. So there we were in a part of town I hadn't been to in maybe 30 years. It's 11.30pm on a Monday night, and it's peaceful and quiet. Driving along High Street in Preston, the digit FJ555 flashed bold and white in the darkness of my mind. My first thought was, whoa, I must be dreaming, and I continued driving. However, before we'd gone too far, the vision got the better of me. I chucked a U-turn and drove back very, very slowly along the road to see if I really did see what I thought I had seen. Of course, when I tell them, I thought I'd seen something that might be important. The bride questions my sanity, and the kids also reckons I've lost it. Alas, I couldn't see what I thought I'd saw. Then, just as I started thinking maybe I really was dreaming, a loud exclamation comes from the seat next to me. That's our car! Yep, that's our car! That's what I thought I'd seen. Sitting in the driveway of a small house, almost hidden between two shop fronts, was our FJ Holden. There's no question of it at all, because it appears to be not one bit changed from when we seen it last. Well, it was slightly changed. The louvered bonnet was gone. as two were the fog lamps but the rest of it was the same, right down to the tyres, which looked like they'd never been driven on. My daughter's friend told her that they folks must have been really cool if they drove a car like that when they were young. So I grabbed a pen and a business card and left a note for the owner to call me urgently to discuss the car. Next day, sitting in my office, I hear my assistant explaining to somebody on the phone that if I needed a Holden, I'd just call up a dealer and buy one. took a few seconds for the penny to drop before I raced out and grabbed the phone to stop the caller hanging up. I apologised and started to explain who I was and my relationship with the car. The guy on the other end stopped me and he said there was no need to explain as he knew my relationship before he called because he's the kid I sold it to all those years ago. I wanted to know everything about the car, where the car had been for the last 26 years or so. He explained the first couple of weeks after he got the car, he changed the bonnet, removed the fog lamps, broke up with his long-term girlfriend and decided to take a vacation overseas and never to return. His dad put the car on blocks the week after he left and made sure it was kept dry and well maintained. Even kept the registration paid for many years. I was gobsmacked. The old thing had covered maybe 200 miles in all that time and still had the same air in the tyres. So I made an offer significantly more than I sold it for. Most might have considered insane for an FJ Holden at the time and it probably was. Ian told me he decided to stay and was preparing to have the car made roadworthy so that he could register and drive it. In fact, that morning, he delivered to his local mechanic to be checked. I suggested he investigate the current prices and call me back, which he did within the hour. He asked if my offer was serious, and I told him i would be there whenever he wants the cash, with a bank check or folding cash. The deal was agreed. I asked him to call his mechanic and told him not to touch the car. Next morning, my buddy Don arrived from the US, and on meeting at the airport, I informed him we were instantly on a mission. I stopped by the bank, collected the money, and we headed off to pick up the car. It was still at the workshop. As we arrived, the self-proclaimed world's best mechanic asked which one was responsible for all the detailing and chrome-plated parts underneath. I owned up and responded by telling me he'd just sprayed black muck under to cover it all up, the reason being that the chrome parts would not pass registration. He also removed the lowered springs and threw them in a dumpster. I was devastated, but unfortunately, that was all that he had time to screw up. Or so I thought at the time. He did, however, give me a certification of roadworthiness, which, considering the age of the tyres, I duly questioned. He responded, telling me that the tread was like new and their age is not considered in the inspection process. Paperwork done and with the alleged roadworthy car, gave Don the option to drive the Humpy or my Land Cruiser. He opted for the newer vehicle, asking me how the hell he was going to drive it, considering he'd never sat in a right-hand-drive vehicle before. I said, just follow me. Do what I do, and it'll all be sweet. So off we went. About two miles down the road, the humpy developed a strange rattle, so I stopped to check things out. So we pulled the jack from the four-wheel drive, placed it under the holder, and as it was raised off the ground, the right rear wheel fell off. I offered Don two options, wait with the car while i drive back and get some nuts, or, even though this isn't Los Angeles, he's already decided the area looks a little bit seedy, so he's taking off in the big rig and going back for the nuts. I laughed. Don had what I figure it was a nerve-wracking drive back to the garage. Walks in and tells the guy that there's a bunch of wheel nuts are missing and the wheel's fallen off. To which the world's best mechanic responds by saying, You're joking. I'd love to be there to hear Don deliver his reply, which went something like, I just got off a freaking plane. I've never seen or driven a right-hand-drive car before, let alone done in traffic. So what the fuck makes you think I'll be risking my neck to come back here with you and have a fucking joke? The guy got a tub of nuts, some tools, and come down to get the thing sorted out. He seemed quiet. After Don told me the story, I guess that's understandable. Soon we're sorting on our way again, out the eastern Breeway, and the old girl was humming along just like I remember, and I'm grinning from ear to ear, until a woman in a Mazda won't let me get across the lanes and change lanes. I've got the signals flashing, and I can hear the telltale clicking and see the repeater light on the dash. Off the freeway I pull over just to make a cursory check on the wheels and have a bit of a whinge about the bitch in the Mazda to Don, not let me cross the lane. His response was, maybe if I signal she'd have been okay with it and let me in. So we checked the signals. None of them work, despite the fact of a certification of Roadworthy on the front seat that says they do. We made it home using hand signals and stopped at the bottom of the street so Don could join me in the humpy for the final drive, best part of the trip. As we rolled up the driveway, the missus came down the front step to greet us with tears in her eyes. Don must have looked puzzled at her apparent joy that I dragged another old car home because before he could speak, she looked him in the eye and said, Don, if this car could talk, it would tell us stories. We parked it in the shed and headed to Geelong where the street rod nationals were underway. By the time we returned, it had puked all its brake fluid on the garage floor. So up on stands it went, where it sat for the next couple of years before I got round to doing it with it. But I didn't care. And it doesn't matter because my FJ555 is home where it belongs with family and there's no way I'll ever let it go again. In the recent times, it's had a thorough going av with almost everything made of rubber being replaced. The engine was removed, flushed, cleaned, seals, gasket and wash plugs replaced. All the radiator and brake assemblies have been overhauled or renewed. And most recently, the original chrome wheels have been restored to perfection. And after long search, the right 13-inch tyres were fitted to the car. It's now just like it was in the 70s and that's how it's going to stay the end
0: well there you go we all love a happy ending make sure you check out our normal podcast and be sure to follow us on instagram at the thong slappers or if you need to get in contact with us please email thongslappers at optusnet.com.au thanks see ya